you need to be writing content multiple times a week. You need to be sharing posts on the social web multiple times a week. You need to be participating in the community multiple times a week. You can't do everything. You should do SEO every week, content marketing, social media marketing, but pick one or two channels of those and then go from there. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and I'm back with three more clips from three previous Best Ever guests. And the topic today is how to get more traffic and conversions to your website. So whether you're trying to use your website to find more deals, raise more money, accomplish some other task, we've got three experts here today to provide you with their best ever advice. And the first one comes from Neil Patel. You probably have heard that name before. Very popular marketer, recognized by all sorts of publications, Wall Street Journal, Presidents, the United Nations. And he gives us tips on how to drive more traffic to our websites and increase conversions. Here's what Neil had to say. Should we be focused more on the conversion of that traffic, so getting emails, or should we be more focused on driving the traffic to the website if we had to pick? It depends. If you don't have a ton of traffic, then you should focus on traffic. If you have a lot of traffic, then focus on the conversion. What's a ton? I usually say if you're under 10,000, focus on traffic. If you're over 10,000, focus more on conversion. Unless you're in a B2B segment in which each customer is worth hundreds and thousands or millions of dollars, the moment you're above 3,000 visitors, focus on conversion. And when you say 10,000, is that unique visitors a month? Correct. Okay, 10,000 unique visitors a month. All right, so under 10,000 unique visitors a month, focus on traffic, over then focus on conversion. So let's say we're at around 5,000 unique visitors a month. What are some ways that we could increase that? One of the simplest ways is go look at all your articles that you have written or podcasts or videos that you have produced, go put in competitor ones or ones that are similar. You can Google to find them and put in that URL into search.twitter.com. You'll see everyone else who shared it and message them and try to get them to share yours. They already shared similar content. Why won't they share yours? Little things like that work extremely well. And if you do those over time, you'll get more social shares, you'll get more readers, more repeat visitors, and your overall traffic will go up. So kind of reverse engineering the process. Correct. You're obviously over 10,000 per month. So are you more focused on conversion? And if so, how do you optimize that? I'm focused on more so traffic than conversion, but yeah, I do both. And the way I drive conversions is I use tools like HelloBar that do like email pop-ups, sliders, modals. I also do things like running A-B tests. I do user recordings to see mouse movements where people are getting stuck. I look at analytics. But it's all about just figuring out where people are getting stuck. So see where the drop-off is within your funnel. And that's the area you probably want to focus on first. Where do you get most of your traffic to your website? Where is it coming from? Google. And then what are the terms? I mean, I was, I was reading through your website. I are you think... in the U.S.? Yeah, I'm in the U.S. Like online marketing, SEO, internet marketing, terms like that. So how did you get the ranking for online marketing? Because obviously that's a top one that I'm sure you've got a lot of competition for. 
more detailed and better content. And then from there, reaching out to everyone who shared all the other online marketing articles on Twitter and ask them to share their mind. And then cross-linking my own posts. So anytime I reference online marketing, I link to that main quote-unquote cornerstone content, which would be that guide on online marketing. Will you say the cross-linking one, but say it slower so that my dunce brain can understand? Just I want to make sure I'm understanding that. With cross-linking, what I mean by that is, let's say you write an article on how to sell a home and make money as a realtor. Let's say you have this guide, it's a detailed guide called The Beginner's Guide to Being a Realtor. But now you're writing this new blog post called How to Make Money Selling Homes. Let's say you talk about like, yeah, right when you get your realtor license and you're just starting off, you may want to link that, hey, when you're getting started as a realtor and you just got your license and you're starting off, whatever that phrase may be, link it to that guide on the beginner's guide to being a realtor. That's like cross-linking, like your internal. Makes sense. And is there a certain number that you like to have in terms of cross-linking from one article to another? Not really. I just link out wherever it makes sense. Do you seek out opportunities to link? Yeah, I do. So wherever there's opportunity, whether it's someone else's site or I go through my old articles and I see if I can link my new piece of content from some of my older articles, I always like search for new opportunities. And you said linking out to other people's sites. How much does that play into your overall ranking? Whenever I link out or whenever other people have good information, I link out whether it's five times or 50 times an article, there is no limit or minimum amount. It's more so I do it whenever it's consumers. So let's say someone is writing an article about real estate law and there's different states. Well, each state has their own laws. Why not just link out to someone else's article that breaks down the laws in California and someone else who breaks down the laws in New York and someone else who breaks down the laws in Minnesota, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't want to rewrite stuff that's already out there, especially if you can't add anything new. If you can add new stuff, by all means, rewrite and make yours better. But if you can't, then link out to the existing pieces that are already out on the web, even if they're your competitors. And as far as the Twitter reverse engineering, what tool did you recommend using for that? Buzzsumo. BuzzSumo for that as well? Okay. Well, for Twitter, BuzzSumo shows you what content your competitors are writing that are popular on the social web. To see who specifically tweeted out, you just take that URL and you put it into search.twitter.com. What would you say is a mistake that you see entrepreneurs make when they're establishing an online presence? Big mistake that I'm seeing when people are trying to establish a presence, they expect results right away and they don't stick with things. The reason being is marketing in general, content marketing, any form of online marketing, it takes time to see results and build that brand. To build that brand, you have to do different types of marketing. You can't just be like, I want to build a brand, right? So whatever you're trying to do and you're trying to market, it takes time and it's consistency. And most people, when they're trying to build that personal brand or get more traffic or grow their business, they'll do it for a month or two and then just stop. How long does it take, and I know we have to define the finish line for you to answer that, but again, take it whichever direction you want, just to elaborate a little bit more on not needing to see results or not expecting to see results immediately. Take six months to see some decent results, one year to see good results, two years to really start seeing it flourish and grow. Okay. And as far as how long, you said consistency is also important. So if following that same timeline, six months, 12 months, two years, 
what do you need to be doing consistently to be able to deliver on that timeline? You need to be writing content multiple times a week. You need to be sharing posts on the social web multiple times a week. You need to be participating in the community multiple times a week. You can't do everything. You should do SEO every week, content marketing, social media marketing, but pick one or two channels of those and then go from there. So whatever it is, do it multiple times a week and just pick two or one if that's all you have time for. And then as you have more time, expand into two and then expand into three and et cetera. So great practical advice from Neil Patel on how to increase traffic to your website, how to increase the conversion rate of the traffic you're attracting to your website, some SEO and keyword best practices, as well as how to avoid the biggest mistake that people make when attempting to create a website, which is that lack of consistency. So I highly recommend listening to Neil's full episode for more tips on driving traffic to your website and increasing your conversion rates. His episode is episode 1069, Drive More Traffic to Your Website with Neil Patel. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. The second clip comes from Chris Daly. So Chris Daly actually owns a consulting company that will help you run tests on your website to see where you can improve. And in this clip, he is going to give us tips on what they look at when they are analyzing a website and then some of the solutions they implement for their customers to, again, drive more traffic and increase conversions. Here's what Chris had to say. If a best ever listener has a website and they reach out to you 
and they say, I'd like to make sure I'm converting the most amount of people who arrive at my website. How do you approach it? What's the engagement look like and what do you do? Yeah, so there's a couple things that I do, and there's some things that your best ever listeners can go in and do themselves to get a sense for where there may be opportunities to do a better job converting people. But So I go through a very methodical process and analysis of a website, and in this analysis, what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to uncover the good and the bad about the site. So I look at things like content. What content do you have on your site? How much of that content is there? Is it relevant? Those types of things. And at this point, we're not talking about testing at all. We're just saying, okay, we've got content. We've got on a specific page, we've got three paragraphs of content, or we've got two sentences of content, or whatever. You're trying to just identify what's on your site right now. So we look at content. We look at the value proposition. So what value do you have for your audience? For realtors, this is going to be you've got a home. I mean, people are looking for a home. You've got a home. But it may be certain aspects of the home that you want to highlight. You've got a home that has a pool. You've got a home that has a great location. You've got a home that has a great view, whatever it may be. That's your value proposition. Whatever value you have for the audience. And so, again, we're identifying what's our value proposition. Can you find it? Is it easily identified by somebody who's coming to the site for the first time? I call the content, the value proposition, and the call to action, which is tell your users what you want them to do. I call those three things the motivation factors. Those are the things that are going to motivate people to take action. And the call to action is a critically important one because if you want someone to reach out to you, if you want them to give you a call, that needs to be the thing that stands out on your site more than anything else. If you want people to just click through and check out pictures, of the property, then that needs to be obvious to the users. If you want them to fill out a form on your site, fill out an email newsletter, so on and so forth, it needs to be very, very obvious. It needs to be colorful, color contrast on the page. It needs to just be very obvious. So those are the motivation factors. Then we look at things that I call resistance factors. And those are things like distractions. So I'll usually sit down with my clients and I'll say, what are things that could potentially be distracting your users from the thing you want them to do, from your value proposition, from your call to action? And a lot of times, distractions are things that people think are really valuable, but what it's actually doing is it's just putting extra stuff on the page. And so things that can be distracting are other offers. You might have a ton of other homes that people want to check out. Well, if you've got them to a relevant page that has a value proposition that will be valuable to them, you don't want to take them to other homes. You don't want to take them to other pages on your site. You want them to sign up or to reach out and contact you now. So we try to identify anything that could potentially be distracting. We look at things that could potentially cause anxiety. The things that cause anxiety a lot of times are if I can't figure out what to do, if I have to take multiple steps in order to actually do what you want. So if there's a button that says, click here to contact us, and then I click there, and then it takes me to another page, and I have to click another button in order to get a form. That's a high-anxiety process. So we identify things that could potentially be causing anxiety, and then we look at the very last thing is how responsive is your web experience. So if I come to your site on a mobile device, mm -hmm. is it super mobile-friendly? Is it customized for mobile? 
or is everything just shrunken down? Like are all the pictures super small and I can't figure out how to flip through the pictures? Or if you want me to call you, is there a click to call button? Is it super easy for me to do that on a mobile device? So that's kind of the process I take my clients through when we very first start. And that is just to identify potential opportunities. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have a weak value proposition, we might want to run some tests to strengthen that value proposition. If there's a ton of distractions, we might want to run some tests to remove or lessen those distractions. What are some typical solutions that you've implemented that have generated big results? There's a few things that I call kind of low-hanging fruit tests. They're ones that they don't always work, and that's one of the things that people need to understand when they start testing is there's not a guaranteed one-size-fits-all approach for testing. It's not something that you can just do and automatically get better conversion rates. It's a process of learning about your audience, of asking questions and saying, okay, we've identified that there's a lot of content on our site. Maybe our audience wants a lot of content. Maybe they don't. So let's ask a question. How much content do they want? And then let's test three different versions of our site, one that has a lot of content, one that has a medium amount, one that has hardly any. And when we get those results back, then let's ask a follow-up question. So let's say that having a medium amount of content works best. Well, if that medium amount of content works best, the follow-up question is going to be, well, what content should it be? If you're showing a property that's listed, what is the stuff that's really going to drive people to reach out? What is the stuff that people really care about? Do they care how many bathrooms the location has? What is exactly the stuff that's going to compel people to reach out? And so the things that I've found that typically have the biggest impact, number one, is just general design. So we'll usually include this as one of our rounds of testing, but we will create three or four different layouts for a page, or if you've got like a pop-up that comes up to try to get people's email addresses. And I'll say this, every person who has a site should have some kind of a pop-up to gather information to gather email addresses so that you can start remarketing to those people. So if you have one of those, you want to test a bunch of different designs because the way that that pop-up looks, the way that it first grabs people's attention is either going to alarm people and cause anxiety or it may capture attention and people will go, huh, what's this? So design can be a really, really important element. And I've seen testing different designs have as much as a 100% increase in conversion rates without changing any of the content at all. Mm-hmm. So design's a major thing that I look at, and that's obviously something that's a little bit more involved in order to test. I think the second most impactful thing is the call to action. So this is a very easy thing to test usually if you can identify what your call to action is. So again, if you've got a pop-up that comes up either Maybe right when you get to the site or maybe it's an exit pop-up that you're trying to get some information from people before they leave your site. The way that you tell people to give you their information can be hugely influential on whether or not they actually do it. So I ran a test for a client of mine, Social Media Examiner. They're the largest social media information website on the planet. It's just a content site, so they want people to come and read content, read articles, engage with things. So they obviously they want email subscribers. That's a big deal to them. Mm-hmm. So we were testing, well, what is going to prompt people to actually give us their email address? 
Will they just give it if we say, get regular updates from us, or do we need to have some kind of an offer? And I'm going to suggest that you should always have an offer on your email pop-ups. It could be something like five things that every person should know before buying a home or an ebook, some kind of free content that you can offer people and say, sign up now to get our free ebook on whatever. That can be hugely, hugely beneficial to figure out what kind of content do people want there. That's your call to action and your value proposition. So I, I will sometimes have my clients test three or four different ebooks and say, okay, well, you've got this ebook and you've been running it for years and years and years. How do you know that it works? Why don't you write one page of an ebook of four different types of ebooks, find out the one that people want, and then you can flush it out. You can write the rest of the content for that ebook that people actually want. Those are some things that I would really suggest people think about. So design and call to action, and then the actual value proposition, what are you giving people, can really, really impact conversion rates. As Chris said, the things that they look at when they are analyzing your website is the content you're creating, that value proposition, what he calls the resistance factors, as well as your responsiveness to inquiries from your listeners, your viewers, your followers, your readers. And then he also provided a list of typical solutions that they use to increase the conversion rate on your website, mostly focusing on design changes as well as your call to action. So again, if you want to hear more from Chris, check out his episode, episode 1062, Getting More Traffic and Conversions on Your Website, a Skill Set Sunday with Chris Daly. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. This last clip comes from a conversation that I had with Melissa Johnson. So Melissa Johnson at one point was finding upwards of 80% of her real estate deals from her websites. Again, you can be using these strategies to find deals, to raise money, to accomplish some task. The overall approach and strategies still apply regardless of what you're attempting to do. And Melissa, in her clip, is going to give us kind of a wide range of tips on how to find more deals through your website. So listen to what Melissa had to say. The two things I want to talk about in our remaining time would be diving deeper into the type of content. And then you've got the really nice website. You have all these key elements on your website, but then how do people actually find your website and get there? So first let's talk about the relevant content. And if that ties into getting people to your website, then obviously you can talk about that too. Let's see. Well, I think first of all, just basic relevant content, just stating again, what's your process? When somebody comes to your website, usually they want to know how it works. So you want to make sure that that's laid out. So that's relevant content for sure. This is what we do. This is how we do it. These are the type of people that we help. These are the situations that they're in. 
So then you can start to go into more detail with that on a blog, for example. So you can have a blog page set up on your website. And this could be video too, if you wanted it to be, it doesn't have to be like a written blog, but think about the situations that your sellers find themselves in, especially when you're going on appointments or taking phone calls, take notes about what they're saying and use that for content. Especially this is great too, if you're recording your phone calls, like we record all of our phone calls with the sellers so we can go back and actually listen and pull things from those conversations to use for content. But you want to make sure that you're creating content that speaks to their situation, something that's helpful. Don't make it all about you and what you can do for them, but make it to where, hey, this is a valuable resource. This person helped me and they don't even know me, but this was really helpful for me. So stuff like lists of moving companies in the area, or what does the probate process look like in your state? Or what does the eviction process look like in your state? Any kind of free little tools that you can give them through a blog post is also relevant content that's really helpful. So any little things that you can provide to the sellers that are helpful, that they, pulling from things that they've actually said is just a really good place to start with all that. Well, let me go back to if you buy an out-of-the-box sort of website, you can customize those. So say you get like a carrot website or a lead propeller website. A lot of them come loaded with content already on it, but that's the same content that a lot of other people have. So you want to make sure that you go through and customize that to you and your company, your location, things like that. And then those blog posts are also going to separate your website from the 50,000 other websites that are just like it. So having that good content in there in a form of a blog or something is good. And then you want to make sure that you're doing that regularly, putting out content on a regular basis. So maybe you start doing it once a month to begin maybe, and then ramping that up as you talk to more people, you get more ideas for content. And I would say bump that up to like once a week. And then of course you're mixing this with all your other things that you're doing, like on social and things like that. You can pull micro content from that bigger content that's used in small posts and things like that. But everything goes back to the website. That's where your meat really sits, if that makes sense. Like all the good stuff is there. So when somebody goes to your website, they can click on that and say, okay, this is an article I needed to read right now because I just inherited this house. I don't really know what to do with it. Where do I start? And then once I have this content or while I'm creating this content, do I need to be keeping in mind writing it a certain way or using certain keywords and make sure that it's easily searchable or are you attracting people by sharing it on social media and stuff? How are you getting people to read these blog posts once they're written? So it's both. Like I was saying, you can write a nice blog post. And then if you've got somebody on your team, or if you can do this yourself, chop that up into smaller content that can be put out as Instagram posts or a quick LinkedIn post. But you can always link those blog posts back also. So if you share it on Facebook, if you share it on LinkedIn, if you share it on YouTube, if it's a video, TikTok even, I guess, all these different platforms, it just makes it easier to have it in that one place and then sharing it out through and also having it work back the other way too. So that was something I was going to talk about too, is just ranking your site, like driving traffic to your site and then checking and see what's happening with that. Because they've got all these great tools and stuff out there now where you can see your analytics for your sites. So that's going to help you figure out what content's hitting, how your site is performing. And there's a lot of things that go into that too. So like you were saying with the keywords, you want to make sure that when you're writing something, that it is keyword 
rich, but not overly so because there's so much to SEO. I'm definitely not an expert in that area, but I know enough to probably be dangerous. <laughs> I know that there's a lot to keywords and things like that. You don't want to have too much, I think, of certain things because it can hurt you, but then not enough can also hurt you. So you've got to figure out what that medium is. And looking at the analytics really helps with that. And the more specific you can be with your keywords, the better too, especially with regards to location and situation, I think. So the more you can put in there, like inherited a house or dealing with a probate or dealing with a problem tenant, there's resources out there that they'll give you the good keywords to use. And you want to make sure you're peppering those throughout your website so that that helps you become more easily found. Another thing you can do too is driving traffic to your site through paid resources like PPC. You can do paid SEO, but you can also do things organically that don't cost any money to drive traffic to your site. And that's what I encourage people to do when they first get started because you need budgets to do AdWords. You need a budget to have somebody working the SEO on your site. But there are things that you can do yourself that don't cost anything. So one of them is putting out good content and sharing it. Another thing is I like to add my website to all my mail pieces in anything that I send out. So if I send out a direct mail piece, I'm giving them the option also to go to the site at whatever. That way they can see that. You could put it on your bandit signs. If you're putting signs on your car, put it on your car. Put it on your business cards, flyers, brochures, door hangers, if you're doing those. All those are places where you're doing that marketing anyway, so you may as well throw your website on there too and drive some traffic to it. And that's very low cost and easy to do. Those are all great. Is there anything else that you had that you wanted to talk about that we weren't able to hit that you want to mention before we sign off? Yeah, there's a couple of really quick things. One of them is if you don't have a Google My Business page, get one. That pulls you up on the map search. So if somebody says, I need to sell my house in San Antonio, if you have a Google My Business page, it'll make you pop up on the map and that's free. So that's a nice thing to have. Another thing is just make sure that your page load speed is good. If your website loads too slow or doesn't load right, that can be a problem. Make sure all the external links, all those are working. And make sure that your website is mobile optimized. There's ways to check that too. A lot of times with these site builders, you can actually click and see what your site looks like on desktop, what it looks like on mobile phones, what it looks like on a tablet. So you just want to make sure that everything looks good mobily because most people are doing searches from their phones these days. And so it needs to look good and load fast on a phone. One last tip that I have that is a super, super cool thing. There is a tool called Hotjar. I couldn't think of the name from it. I always want to say heat jar, but it's Hotjar. It's a really cool thing that you can use. You can put on your computer and it actually tracks people's movements on your website. So it's kind of like a heat map. If you're familiar with a heat map, this actually records where people are going on your site. So you can actually track them and see, okay, where are they hanging out? Where did they click? How long they spent this much time on this thing? And that will start to tell you if something's confusing or unclear, or if they're abandoning the site, maybe they start filling out the form and then they abandon or whatever. You'll have all that information captured. You can even see what sort of device that they're on looking at your site. So it's a really cool thing to help you improve the user experience on your site and to see how things are converting. As I mentioned, even though 
In this case, Melissa is a fix and flipper. The type of content that she is creating, the information she puts on her website is going to be different than you as a commercial real estate investor, but the overall concepts and strategies and approach still apply. So Melissa gave us tips for creating content and then promoting that content in order to drive traffic to your website. She talked briefly on paid advertising, and then she provided us some very invaluable miscellaneous tips on making sure you have a Google My Business page, checking out the load times of your website to decrease that bounce rate. And then she talked about one of her favorite software programs, Hotjar, which is the heat map that allows you to see where people are at on your website. Something else that Melissa talked about in the beginning of her show was how to set up a website, the key components of the website. So if you want to hear that as well as learn more from Melissa, check out her episode, episode 2392, Finding Deals Through Your Website with Melissa Johnson, a Skill Set Sunday. So in conclusion, we got three clips from three powerhouse real estate investors, marketing experts, starting with Neil Patel, who again taught us how to drive more traffic to our website and increase our conversions through SEO and keyword best practices and making sure that we're sticking to it and staying consistent. Chris Daly gave us an inside look into how he and his company tests various websites and then some of the solutions they'll implement to improve the websites. And then Melissa focused more on the content creation side as well as, again, some of those miscellaneous tips on how to improve your website. And the overall goal of all this is to, again, drive more traffic to your website. As you get more traffic, convert that traffic into whatever your end goal is, whether it be finding a deal, selling a deal, raising capital, whatever it is. A lot of these tips that we talked about today can help you. So my call to action for you would be to take at least one thing that you learned in this episode today and then apply that to your business for the next, say, three to six months and see if that improves your conversion rate or increases the amount of traffic that comes to your website. So thank you for tuning in today. As always, best of your listeners, have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.